0: Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Tanefsky, and today I spoke with Lance Kawaguchi, the CEO of Cure Brain Cancer Foundation. As you will hear, there has been very little progress made in the treatment of brain cancer in the last few decades, despite the fact that brain cancer has such a terrible impact on the people afflicted with it. That is where Cure Brain Cancer Foundation gets involved. The foundation's strategy is to get treatments to patients faster by funding research across the entire research pathway, and in addition to funding research, the foundation provides support to patients and their families who are dealing with this very difficult disease. I think you'll appreciate hearing from Lance about these important issues, and hopefully will help the foundation continue to raise awareness about them. Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Dineski, and today I'm speaking with Lance Kawaguchi, the CEO of the Cure Brain Cancer Foundation. Lance, thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: It's great to be here, Brooke. It's an honor. Thanks for having me.
0: So to start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to the Cure Brain Cancer Foundation?
1: Sure. So by way of background, I'm not a non-for-profit professional. I've actually had 26 years of investment banking and commercial banking, across the world, uh, unfortunately my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic stage four cancer in 2016. And during that time, I went from London back to Hawaii where she's from, four times in five months. So on her last week that I was with her, she made me essentially give a commitment, three things. One, spend more time with your family. Two, take care of my father because I'm a only child. And three, at some point in your career, give back to something bigger than yourself. Because being in banking sometimes you can be really focused on driving revenue and focusing on yourself. So what I made a commitment is that at some point in my career, I'll carve out several years and give back to something bigger. you know. So around 2020, during COVID, what better time to help society than that? I mean, that was kind of a watershed moment. And I selected Cure Brain Cancer Foundation specifically for a couple of reasons. One, brain cancer is the number one killer of children and young adults in the U.S., kind of top one or two Europe, also in Australia. So that was one motivation because my mom was a school teacher for 42 years. So to kind of honor, honor that, I wanted to focus something that was focused on young adults and children. Second thing is that I selected Cure Brain Cancer Foundation because they had quite a bit of, I would say um, quite a bit of CEOs in the past couple of years. And I thought that was a great opportunity to really give them stability, but also to bring treatments to Australia. Because as you probably know, Brooke, there hasn't really been any net new kind of inventions or any treatments for the past 30 years. And when other cancers have increased in survival, brain cancer kind of hovers around 20 to 22 percent over 30 years. So for me, this was kind of an opportunity, significant upside, and really trying to make a difference by connecting you know, Australia with the globe.
0: Yeah, I know in general, there's so much still unknown about the brain, and so there's so much room for growth and more research, which makes it even more important. And so I just want to, before we get into the foundation's mission, can you tell us what exactly brain cancer is and just some of the basic facts and statistics surrounding it?
1: Sure. As I mentioned before, the normal survival for GBM, which is global blastoma multiform, which is kind of the common, most common, is only about 15 months. Yeah. Right. So the survival rate is is terrible. But also to that point is I think a lot of people don't realize it's depending if it's Australia or U.S., it's always one of the most expensive cancers. If you take into account loss of life and also care, because your brain is really the control center of everything. So even if you don't pass away from it, it impacts your speech it impacts Mm -hmm. your walking and also quality of life, especially if it's on your brainstem. It can be terrible. So I would say a lot of people don't know about brain cancer because it's, I would say globally, normally around the 17th to 18th most diagnosed. Mm. So it's not in the top 10 of diagnosed, but in impact to the patient, I would say it's probably number one or two. So oftentimes when I speak to people about brain cancer, they don't even realize kind of the basics of that it is such a negative impact to children and young adults but also that there's been no investment. So I would say for me, it really is about getting awareness. But part of awareness is also trying to get the best treatments from the U.S., from Europe, and really just trying to get collaboration. Because I, I truly believe the one thing with me, when I lived in, in Asia, I lived in the Middle East, Europe, U.S., and now Australia, and I've worked in Latin America, two common denominators that I find is that one, regardless of where you're from, everyone hates cancer, right? And number two, everyone loves their kids. So if those are the two things that everyone globally Mm -hmm. loves, I don't see why more people don't focus on brain cancer because those are the two things. So I would just say that brain cancer is very kind of, I would say, under-publicized. But I do think it is getting much more traction because of you know celebrities but also just by other charities and and ourselves just trying to make people aware of of the impact.
0: And can you just share what the foundation's vision and mission is?
1: Yeah, so that that's actually quite interesting Brooke. So when I joined, we kind of revamped, we redid our mission, our purpose, and to give your listeners some context, over the past 9 months, we have distributed 11 million dollars. And to put that in perspective, that's more than we've spent we've distributed over the past six to seven years. So I always thought it was interesting because in 2016 to 2020, I did quite a bit of due diligence on non-for-profits and charities. And one thing that was common is that charities are quite bureaucratic and they're very slow to move. Mm. So for me, that was kind of a disconnect because if you're a charity and you're serving a community of people who have very limited amount of time, Because if you have cancer or whatever charity, you should move at some sense of urgency, right? Because they don't have time. But it's also, it's kind of counterintuitive. So one thing that I wanted to do is we should not be holding money. We should be getting money and distributing it quickly, right? And we should be the most efficient organization. We only have eight employees now. And that's actually about 70% less but we've been more profitable and done more. Yeah. And also we went from zero women in leadership to 100%. So for me, I don't know if you know my background, but I've always been trying to champion diversity and inclusion back in 2014, 15, 16. So our mission is really simple, is to support brain cancer patients and their families, but also to find treatments So one thing that we've done with um, Stephanie Quachimani, who's our head of research and also investments, is we've invested a lot in early career fellowships, so young, up-and-coming researchers in brain cancer, mid-career fellowships, and also we launched the world's largest brain cancer accelerator to help early-stage biotechs. So you probably notice a theme, Brooke. We focus on young, right? Because a lot of times people... When they're starting off, that's, that's when you need to help them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like,
1: that, that has been an ethos of ours. Our average age, if you take me out of the mix, cause I'm like a hundred years old, it actually has gone from roughly about 48 years old to about 26. So what I try to encourage people is that age is not a determinant of maturity and especially your generation. There's never been a time that you can make an impact quickly and it doesn't make a difference Right? It doesn't make a difference about your age, gender. It has no, no relevance. right? So for me, it's really been about moving at a pace that reflects the brain cancer community, but also getting some runs on the board because everybody talks a lot. And I have short attention span. So I think it's important if you're going to sit in front of someone and you make a commitment, you got to deliver. So that's why there's this um, trial and treatment called GBM Agile, which is a global trial, and in Australia, people have been trying to bring it since 2013. But for whatever reason, it never happened. So I decided let's just fund it ourselves, $8 million for a small charity. But now we're going to bring these treatments that people pre- uh, previously would have to fly from Australia all the way to the U.S. But now we're going to bring it the other way. We're going to bring all of it to Australia so people don't have to spend the money. And I'm going to cover all the costs. So... Our mission is really simple, take care of the people that we serve and move at a pace and an urgency that reflects what they're living with daily.
0: And I actually read about, you know, your trip to the U.S. And I know you talked a lot about female leadership. And so I think it's just great to hear about sort of this expansion and growth. And what role do you think it plays in having this kind of interconnected network among organizations, whether it be in the U.S. or Australia or otherwise?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question, Brooke. So one thing I did is I always told myself I would never join boards because boards, to me, very bureaucratic again, very inefficient. But I only join uh, organizations and also boards that either have a woman as CEO or a woman as chairperson. That's point one. Point two is that I strongly believe if Australia has 27 million people in their community, right, cancer doesn't really have borders, right? So if you're worried about brain cancer in Australia, there should be no reason why you don't collaborate in the US and also in Asia or the Middle East, because I always think collaboration has a multiplier effect. We don't know what we don't know. So instead of just the US focusing on 350 million people kind of working toward a cure for brain cancer in Australia 27, why not get the 8 billion people in the world and work together to find a common cure? Right. I mean, so to me, it's quite again, I would say charities tend to be very territorial. It's almost like the Yankees and the Red Sox. But at the end of the day, you're playing the same game and you're you have the same, you know, same kind of goal. So what I tried to do is I established a scientific advisory committee that makes all the medical decisions. But the majority of them are actually from the U.S., from Harvard, from UC San Diego, UCLA, um, UC San Francisco, and because I want to make sure that we have that connectivity. And the ch- I'm also a chairman of um, the Asian Fund for Cancer Research in Hong Kong, also the National Foundation for Cancer Research in the U.S., because I want to just bring all the best minds together, not only for brain cancer, but for all cancers, because oftentimes breast cancer will metastasize and turn into brain cancer, or liver cancer will turn into something else. Right. So, for example, my mother, when she got pancreatic, moved to her liver and her stomach. So I just think that the more people we can bring together to try to find a cure for cancer, the better.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's really no need to privatize having a cure. And so I think, yeah, really interesting stuff. And I obviously also want to address a lot of the research that you're doing. And so I know the foundation's research strategy is designed to get new treatments to patients faster through funding across entire research pathways. So can you tell us more about the foundation's research philosophy?
1: Correct. So this was actually driven very, I mean, again, as I mentioned, our commitment but we want to leverage the best mind. So all the research, every decision we make is driven by Stephanie Quattromani, who I only found out recently, she's 24. What? So she had the so tying to my narrative. I really don't care about age or gender, right? Uh, Donna Modis, who's our, our, my CFO, I believe she, she never told me her age, but I think she's like 23, whatever. But every decision we make is driven by the science. So what do I mean? Oftentimes that when decisions come up, you'll have a component where the medical will make a recommendation, but then the CEO or the board will make the decision. I kind of flipped that paradigm. I don't want to have, cause what I have like a third grade you know, medical experience. So what I want to do is get the money, but then give the autonomy to the best minds of Harvard and everything. So one unique thing that we do, Brooke, is that every research decision, it's driven by Stephanie. she, puts it up to our scientific advisory committee and they have the full autonomy and I empower them to make every decision. So whatever decision we, we make, it's based off merit and nothing else. So I don't even get involved in it because again, I don't think I can add much value. It's like if someone, if LeBron James asked me for basketball advice, I'm six feet. Well, I, I used to be six feet. Now I'm like 5'10 or something, but I couldn't add much value. So I think it's critical that you let the professionals make the decisions. And I think that's one thing that I'm quite proud about our research philosophy is that we try to make sure that we give the power and the decision making to the people who actually know what they're talking about.
0: Yeah. And I'm just curious, you know, what are some of the research projects that the foundation has funded that you're particularly proud of or interested in?
1: Yeah, so if I can take kind of the most important one is GBM Agile. Very proud that we can bring this to Australia because that was never done before. Also, in regards to our early career fellowship and mid-career fellowship, so the way it works is typically organizations will give one-year fellowships, like for researchers. But we made the decision to do three years because we want to give the researchers, I mean, complete confidence that they can focus on the research and not every year, reapplying for some type of fellowship. So that was a mindset shift that we want to support the young and also the mid-career fellows. So that's something I'm quite proud of. And also what I'm very proud about is that what we're trying to do with the world's largest clinical accelerator to help biotechs in brain cancer, that's something that's never been done because just so people understand, you have phase one, phase two, phase three for FDA approval, which, you know, because you've created multiple things. Getting from preclinical to the phase one is what oftentimes people call the valley of death, because you need to get funding to make it to phase one. After phase one, you have the data, safety and whatever else. But that's the critical piece. So we actually put up two million dollars and most times financial institutions or venture capital, they'll help these young up and coming companies but they'll also ask for quite a bit of equity or ownership in the company. So what I wanted to do and what we wanted to do was actually help them, but not ask for anything in return. We just want to help you because if our mission is to get the best treatments to patients, we shouldn't try to dilute the organization and try to take equity and own the company. So that was completely revolutionary. So nobody else did because everyone always has – it's. It's a very, I would say, kind of parasitic relationship where we'll give you the money, but we're going to take 30 40% of your organization. The way we approach it is more symbiotic. So we're saying, we're giving you the money. All we want in return is for you to progress this. So I think that, to me, is the thing that we're, I'm most proud of. On the, the Asian Fund for Cancer Research side, very proud. Similarly, their BRACE Award focuses on early bio, stage biotechs. Same thing. And also with the National Foundation for Cancer Research, I'm very proud that we do a one million dollar women's venture competition because women only represent CEO women for biotechs only represent one to two percent. And that's unacceptable. So to give them one million dollars to help increase that, I think is important.
0: Definitely. And you mentioned a lot of really groundbreaking research and technologies. And so I'm wondering, is there a specific area of brain research that you believe is particularly promising for the future?
1: Yeah. Well, again, I don't want to flex my my, uh, intellect, which is third grade medicine, as I mentioned. But one thing that is very interesting is that in the past, as you know, you had kind of the standard of care would be chemotherapy. So chemotherapy, you essentially just throw fertilizer, it kills everything, good, bad, indifferent, or that you have radiation, right? But that's kind of it, or you cut it out. Now, there's so many new things, new treatments that actually harness your T cells or your B cells. So your own immune system can attack cancer cells, kill it, but keep your good cells healthy. So I think that's something that's very important, very interesting. Also, there's some other small, model, doesn't matter that, but just other treatments coming up a ways of delivering the payload. So the way they deliver to kill the cancer is changing too. So I would say this is almost a renaissance for biotechs. And I know biotechs right now are having a lot of issues, but I, what I've seen over the past 13 months, I've probably met with over 400, 500 biotechs. You would not believe what they're able to do. And not only stop and delay the the cancer, but also actually treat the cancer with means that won't hurt the patient. So I think that's what's very exciting. It's cutting edge. And I think for the next 10 years, I truly believe this is subjective. This is my opinion. I think there will be certain cancers that will be curable, in my opinion. So that's only my opinion.
0: Another thing that I just want to bring up in terms of the impact that the foundation has had, how do you go about quantifying and really determining just the extent of the impact of the foundation?
1: Yeah, for, for me, the KPI, the key performance indicators is simple. So every month I sit down with community members, right? And I say, everything we do, it's the, they're the compass. So I say, are we adding value? Are we delivering on what's important to you? right? If they say yes, that's it. It's a home run. I don't care. Financial metrics, I always think, I always tell my kids, the truth and the facts are easy to remember. So for me, when I sit down, if they're saying, no, you should be doing more in advocacy, or you should be doing more here, then we adjust and pivot quickly. So for me, it's 100%. What does the community we serve say? Because they're the most important, they're the only thing that matters.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, You know, even in my experience, I definitely understand the importance of actually interacting with these individuals and understanding their struggles, which actually perfectly brings me to the next thing that I want to ask, which is, are there any specific personal experiences that you can discuss about how the foundation has had an impact on either a person or community at large?
1: Well, I would say that almost weekly, Brooke, I speak with a community member that says either Now I feel I believe in you. I believe in I believe in the organization or you know, my son, my daughter, my husband's life, I feel it's honored. Right? And for me, that's what's important. And I hear that all the time. And one thing I have to admit is it's interesting because when I was interviewing around, a lot of people always say, Oh, you know, we want a change agent, we want a disruptor, we want someone that's going to come in and really shake it up and do, you know, just do good. But then when you when you get to it, they'll be like, oh, no, no, we're afraid you're going to move too quickly. We, you know, So it's either you want to do good and all you care about is getting to point A to B, or you can talk about it. So I think what I'm trying to do at our organization and also at um, Asian Fund for Cancer Research and also um, NFCR is really just cut all the excess out and just focus on the community. And that's it. How do we move as quickly as possible? For me, I always think whether you're doing you're trying you're doing good for the the environment or for cancer or for diversity, I don't think time is on your side. I think you want someone who's going to come in and just make the changes quickly so you can actually have the result. So, I would say for my personal view, for your listeners, because I'm sure your listeners are far younger than I am. I would give my career advice because I've lived pretty much everywhere. I've actually, you probably know, I worked in Baghdad, Iraq as an American for two years. I would say, just be relentless. You're going to hear a lot of people say, oh, you can't do this. I'm sure when people, when you're working on uh, your device for stroke, but it doesn't make a difference what people say. It's what you believe. And the two things or three things I always tell people when I hire people is that I view the CEO, my role is to empower the team to do your job. And to make sure that we can deliver for the community we serve. But all I care about, a couple of the variables I can't control is your effort, your mindset, and your behavior. As long as you can focus on that, you will be infinitely successful. So I would say what I've learned through my thousand years of being on this earth is just be relentless. Believe in what you're doing. And just never back down. And there'll be a lot of people, especially I'm sure you run into it, bro will say, oh, no, you're, you're too young, or, you know, we want we go slower, you know, just go with your gut. And I would just encourage everyone just never back down.
0: Yeah, I think very important stuff. And I know, I appreciate, you know, you just coming on to talk. And so, of course, I want to ask, how can those who want to help us do so?
1: Well, thank you for asking. They can reach us by our website, which will provide you. Um, but again, or just reach out to me, Right. So they can reach out to me. But I, I believe we'll send um, my contact details on LinkedIn, anything. And we're not asking for money. We just want you, all the listeners, to know that every dollar or every minute that you provide, I can assure you that it will be going to the right cause. So we always ask people just maybe leverage your network, share the word, You know, even if it's not for us. I, I don't care. What I care about is that let's make sure that we help people, not only with brain cancer, but people with cancer. And let's just try to find a solution and find some treatments as quickly as possible.
0: And of course, I want to also ask, is there anything else that you'd like to add about the foundation brain cancer in general or anything we may not have covered?
1: I would. That's a good point. Again, I think I covered most of it. I, I just want to make sure that people understand it might be brain cancer awareness month. But imagine for, this is what I always tell people, imagine how difficult it's been for all of us who are fortunately healthy going through COVID. I mean, it was mentally stressful for everyone. But imagine if you also had cancer. So I always tell people, as bad as you have it, at least you have your health. So empathize a bit with the people who have cancer, all cancers, and try to help them. Because they need your help more than you need your help. So for me, it's really about just being consistent and just helping, right? I used to always say, you know, I was a banker that occasionally did good. And everyone, you know, bankers, we always like to act like we're good, take photos. Hey, you know, we're great. But it's different if you're actually a person that actually does good all the time. Because then you're putting your actions and you're correlating it to what you're saying. So for me, I challenge everyone, you know, take some time out of your career. There's nothing more rewarding, I promise you. Take some time and focus on something bigger bigger than yourself.
0: Well, again, thank you so much for speaking to me, and I really enjoyed this, and I hope that a lot of people get involved.
1: No, I appreciate it, Brooke, but just remember, when you're president of the United <laughs> States, just please remember me, okay? Just <laughs> yeah. Promise me you're going to remember me.
0: Yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll see about that, but I appreciate it. Thank you.